Welcome to Mind Crime Victor Show with me, Spinner Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss Was Jeffrey Tucker right and Hans Hopper wrong? Tim, what is this all about? Well, this is somewhat uh, inside libertarian gossip here, but Jeffrey Tucker and Hoppians had a bit of fight to say the least. Uh, Hopper, Tucker should went to the Hopper invited Tucker to the PFS Society, and um, it was some, and Hoppe, uh at the PFS Society had a, a lecture criticizing Hayek. There was some discussion afterwards here. They were both very amicable. But then a few years later, um, Tucker and Hoppe had sort of an intellectual falling out on the lead up to the Trump campaign here. Uh, and, you know, the Trump campaign, you had sort of Walter Block with libertarians for Trump. You know, you had the more right libertarians, if not outright endorsing Trump, saying he's obviously the lesser of two evils. Or that, or that, you know, immigration. Immigration was one of the central issues here, here in it. And I think another person we could bring in here is Ron Paul. And when Ron Paul was in 2011, was asked about when he was running for president, was asked about immigration walls and fences here, which sort of predates Trump here. Ron Paul said the border fence would be built to keep us in. And one of the interesting things is in 2020, of course, as everyone knows, a large, um, a large, very strict. Border control system emerged in, definitely in places like Australia, definitely in places like Scotland, to lesser degree in the United States, but definitely in somewhat mild to moderate, to even extreme versions in Italy, uh, New York City, parts of California here, um, where you had a very tight border control system. And up until recently, it was dropped by the House, um, but like up until recently, the United States would not allow anyone who didn't have their Pfizer or Moderna shot in. Um, um, so like you had a very tight border screen, and it's and Hopper would, and, uh, Ron Paul would point out like that was also the domestic war and terror is by them well. So like if you, you board a plane, they take a picture of you. If you exit the United States, they take a picture of you. I mean, this is a very useful tool for the you know internal Stasi of the United States, the FBI and the CIA to monitor all of its citizens here. And of course, the border patrol agents would be part of that. Their Department of Homeland Security here. So you know, would it, so so was Ron Paul and a lot of the Hoppians like Ron Paul. Interestingly, Hans Hoppe himself is more, when asked about Hans Ron Paul, is more limited. Part of it because I think Hans Hoppe being a German knows that even the American sort of classical liberal minarchist type framework, you know, can lead to World War One. You know, he knows because his people sort of people are on the losing side of World War One here. Um, um, and Wilson in that sense. So there, so there is an inability for like the sort of American conservatives to complete, complete, complete to uh, police the American liberals from be going full abroad here. Although we just did an episode on Mises and, you know, the eras of classical liberalism in general here. But Hoppe himself is somewhat as dated measure, but, and as the COVID thing. So Tucker, to his credit, was, you know, Tucker during the Trump thing campaign was a little annoying to say the least. Um, and Hoppe had his lecture about realistic libertarianism. But t- Tucker, to his credit, on COVID, was more than outstanding. He was one of the best people. He started the Brownstone Institute. I think he wrote the, he was pivotal, I think, in the Barrington Declaration, I think. Um, and actually, guys like Tyler Cowen, some of the people at the, like, FEE and other institutions who were moderate branch comedians were sort of annoyed at Jeffrey Tucker for being like, go, I mean, of course, Ron Paul was good, but so was Jeffrey Tucker. He was, he was in a sense, more annoyed and more like, then he was at Trump's wall and stuff, which is the correct position here. If if correct positions in, indeed exist here, then I think is the correct position here. 
Um, and so, so to my question for you, Swithin, here, and it's um, I think Ron Paul got it because Scott Horton would say the the claim that the you know the state was always aggressive towards certain people here. Um, you know, because Scott Horton grew up when the, um, Scott Horton almost has like an Alex Jones tendency here, or he does, because, you know, they have Waco and all these other sort of, so to speak, terrorist acts done toward, quote unquote, normal domestics, you know, mainline citizens here of the ethnic group here, the main ethnic group here. So like, should public, so as public libertarian intellectuals, what's the correct position on like immigration? Even if right libertarians views about like diversity and being a bad, so to speak, are are correct or or desirable. Can you actually enforce them without it turning into a monstrosity? Of course, this debate shows up in Europe too. Here, so like, what should libertarians do if the state is hostile to like the quote unquote, you know, what 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 Hoppe would call the you know the normal uh, orders of like you know in his realistic libertarian speech here. Because like the, the state has become hostile toward you know those type of people here. Um, um, so what what would you take? I mean, should should you should you go more like Jeffrey Tucker or was Hans Hoppe wrong here? Swithin? It's a very difficult question um, because on the one hand, if you're just taking a, a straightforward libertarian view, that immigration just seems to be subsidised to a large degree. Um, and so just taking on that fact, it's like, well, okay, well, let's remove the subsidies. Well, and by subsidy, I mean, so for instance, I mean, if you if you come to England and you claim asylum, and this isn't the only way you can do it, but it's clear that most of the asylum seekers are not asylum seekers, but they're um, economic migrants, because if they were asylum seekers, they would have stopped in France, which last time I heard was recognised as a relatively safe country. Um but why come here? Well, because you get put up in a nice hotel, you get health treatments, you get all these other things. Um, so, you know, that th- there's lots of motivation for you to come. So, I mean, clearly you could kind of get rid of that. But it doesn't seem to be wanting to be got rid of anytime soon. Um, then you've got the general welfare state. Again, you know, how you can't really get rid of it. Um, now, so you could then suggest, well, what you need is a war, make it harder for people to come uh, legally. Um, well, I suppose actually in this context, it's trying to prevent people coming illegally. Um, and so that's then going to be better than if you didn't. But then, of course, if you pr- if you set up these sort of border controls and... and um, you set up these border controls and things, it's, um, it can then be used against you. So, for instance, now, it's not something that the libertarians have supported anyway, but in the UK, there's something called the Prevent Strategy, which was originally set up to, well, the attempt seemed to be to de-radicalise, quote-unquote, um, Muslims, effectively, typically young male ones, because uh, otherwise they might become somewhat explosive. Well, that was the uh, the idea, um, but uh, now it seems to the, the 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 most of the remit seems to be to uh, seek out far right extremism, and those sorts of ty- uh, sort of conservative types who maybe have supported Prevent to begin with might now be the types who would be investigated by uh, Prevent for radicalizing youths in certain ways. So it, it's there's problems on. Um, 
So you've got problems on both sides because if you don't put the walls, if you don't make it more difficult uh, for immigration, if the if the sort of trads are, are correct, uh, social cohesion keeps going down, uh, lower trust society, uh, which then causes problems with contracts and things, or just a, a, a less pleasant place to live, etc. Until eventually, you know, you you might get sort of some form of social breakdown in the absence of a strong uh, centralized state, because of course. That's one of the arguments is that where you balkanize the people and then you need the strong state to prevent internecine conflict amongst all these these uh, disparate groups within a particular area. So you're going to get uh, so we've got to compare counterfactual situations. And the obvious problem with that is, well, the counterfactual never existed. So we don't know what we we, we could do. Um, ideally, when it comes to immigration, what you would want to do is to uh, get the state to allow individuals to sponsor people to come over and make them, this is sort of the Hoppian solution, really, to um, be legally liable for them and then make them pay a fee to do so, which covers various different costs, probably to do with um the police, the military, and the, and the transport, at least, because those are the things you can't reasonably um, exclude anybody from. Uh, well, you can, in principle, not the way the state delivers the services. Um, so you would ideally want that. Be- but, um, I mean, when you have basically a hostile ruling class, I mean, there's not really much you can do. I mean, what you really need to do is more generalised uh, how do we replace the ruling class with something better? I mean, that's really rather than um, on the sort of single issues. But, I mean, I, I suppose it's kind of playing defence, as it were, on, in, on all angles. Try and put the defence on, the, um, on the immigration line, but also on the sort of state surveillance line. Uh, but trying as much as possible not to get one to give significant ground to be used for the other that is restricting immigration and then increasing the um the surveillance state so um as to whether jeffrey tucker was correct uh is very difficult to tell uh because you don't know what would have happened if the immigration restrictions of the wall wouldn't have been built in the first place so I, I can also say was Ron Paul correct? I mean, but but I, I, I somewhat use Jeffrey Tucker's name because I think because I think one of the issues here you could could say Ron Paul was actually the most correct of them all here. Um um that uh because even some of the right libertarians uh, one of the things that you could say is that like the, the, the COVID state was somewhat built by certain aspects of Trump, certain aspects of the conservative movement, which is, is in a certain way from uh, familial with certain elements of the libertarians. Of course, it's also built by the progressives. And there was a flip that happened somewhere around February in the United States here. It's, it was sort of fascinating to watch. Um, um, but, but you know, you get to say that, you know, the COVID state, um, so to speak, the buildup of that state, as well as the sort of generalized domestic war and terror state, which was built up, um, was sort of a bipartisan project here. And, you know, one of the things that Ron Paul got right is that, like, the, you know, certain aspects of, like, the normie libertarians are are fully on board with um, certain aspects of, of that state here. And, and I also think the conspiracy angle is another thing 
that should be brought up. Ron Paul, like, if, if in 2016, if that was the centerpiece argument against Trump's wall, that it would be used against, quote-unquote, us, I think that would be viewed by many, you know, left libertarians, Reason Magazine-type libertarians, as well as broader population, as well as the fact-checkers, as a conspiracy theory. You know, why would you think, you know, the government would do that? Even Joe Rogan would probably, well, maybe not Joe Rogan, but, you know, the mainstream would view that as a conspiracy theory, as someone being paranoid, um, that Ron Paul here is being paranoid. But that wasn't the argument against uh, Trump or the immigration restrictions that would eventually be turned against uh, the, so to speak, you know, uh, majority of the population. Um, um, and actually, funnily enough, if you go deep enough down the rabbit holes, you could argue that the initial terrorist acts, you know, if you ever watched the documentary Larry's Change, maybe it's entirely wrong, maybe it's entirely correct. But even Ron Paul, even if you take the sort of standard narrative that the mainstream takes about the terrorist attacks, you could say that the West kind of provoked them. Um, you know, we did, you know, you could go back to like, Know, the bombing of Kosovo, the bombing of you know, you know, the various interventions in the Middle East, as the Italian PM has recently said, this isn't this isn't the conspiracy theory. You know, why, why is Libya destroyed? Well, you know, like Gaddafi, why didn't you like why why did the French and British as well as Americans and Hillary take out Gaddafi? Well, we don't exactly know, but maybe it has something to do with you know, like he was trying to, to building a prosperous state with a lot of oil revenue and making a rival power center. Um, um, even Israel, even the former director of Israel Mossad said it was a mistake to take out Qaddafi here. Um, so there is, there is a sort of demand problem of immigration here. And there's also the conspiracy angles with it. What do you make about those two things? Like one way to just cut down immigration would be cut down the demand for immigrants to leave their own places here, make Libya great again, make Syria great again. Let's not have a dirty war in Syria financed by, you know, let's not have dirty war in Ukraine. And as well as the conspiracy, if the left libertarians led with it will be used against us to the Hoppians and everyone else rather than saying it's anti-racist. I actually might have been more critical of Trump at the time, but they didn't do that. Um, they just took the, the mainstream advocate here. What do you make about those two points, Smithen? I think those uh, are entirely correct. I think um, there are some on more of the libertarian right who think, well, uh, we need to get, even that the state is bad, we need to get the state to reduce its badness against us by doing some more interventionist things. Um, I mean, for instance, in a different scenario, you might say, well, given the fact that we have uh, central banks, etc., we should impose reserve requirements on banks to stop them from going crazy and printing too much money, etc., and causing uh, booms and busts. Um, but you know, trying to be aware that, you know, these, these, um, these laws could be used against us or the war could be used against us, um, I think is a much more compelling argument against them. Um, because if they, because the, the thing is with sort of the left and right libertarian stuff is that the right libertarians have a conception of this is what society needs to be like. Uh, so that we can have basically a free society as they consider the use the term free. Um, whereas left libertarians basically think, well, you know, everyone's just going to do their own thing and, you know, live and let live. And that's what we need to do. And it's like, well, well, the question of which of those is true. Um, and rather the left libertarians, rather than trying to make a strategic case as to why 
the immigration restrictions and the war were a bad idea. They just kind of stout about, well, live and let live and sort of free weed and prostitution are good type stuff. Oh, and, and, and brown people and other colours. They're great. We've got loads of them. So we need. Um, rather than rather than sort of working within the paradigm to explain why this particular goal uh, means won't achieve the goals they want to achieve, which I think would have been a fundamentally um, sounder uh, rhetorical strategy. Which Jeffrey Tucker did not do, but Ron Paul did do. I'll just put that down. Well, we, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the peak Jeffrey Tucker for this was when he went mental and Richard Spencer appeared claiming he was an anti-fascist, etc. It was just like, it was the cringiest moment uh, at a various, it was like a... To be fair, Ron Paul, I mean, uh, he, he voted for uh, Spencer, I think, was now a Biden supporter anyway, but keep talking. Sorry for interrupting. Yes, but I do think he was a Ron Paul supporter earlier on. I think that is true with, with Spencer. Spencer is weird. Um, but, um, so we've got Ron Paul... What was your second point? I can't remember your second point. You're for, for... Cutting down demand for immigration by making uh, other countries. I, I mean, I mean that that is so obviously true, and nobody get nobody seems to get it, uh, and will even attempt to uh, deal with that. Um, now, it, it is true though that even in Europe, you would still maybe get quite a lot of immigration. So, I mean, a lot of the immigrants that seem to come to, to, to England that come from Albania. Now, uh, Albania isn't the richest place or the nicest place to live, but it's not its not a failed state in the way that uh, Libya is or Syria is. Um, so it might not make that much difference. I think it make it a decent amount of difference. I mean, certainly from uh, the Middle East, certainly in areas that are culturally significantly different from Europe, you think you'd require much more motivation to leave, whereas... If you are sort of European and uh, Albania was was probably Christian at some point, obviously it was officially atheist for a long time. I mean, culturally is going to be not as different, and so you know, okay, we'll we'll try and make it over here. But the the focus on war is something that really needs to be um, highlighted far, far, far more. Um, Generally speaking, on the right, especially the disingenuous sort of neoconish right. Well, we're about immigration, yeah, but we're going to bomb the rest of the world. It's like, kind of think that's not going to work very well. Um, the libertarian right is generally better at that, but um, they they need to highlight that more uh, clearly, and I think in general have a have a more nuanced understanding as as to why migration rates have changed the way they have and why people move. Um, so, yes, so, 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 certainly um, stopping overseas wars is going to do wonders for people not moving. Because, frankly, you know, if your country is getting bombed, you kind of think, hmm, it might be worth leaving. I mean, that's not an entirely <laughs> surprising thing, is it? One of the areas in which I think the right libertarians do get correct, though, the left libertarians in the blind spot here is is that if if there are countries that are quote unquote more stable for cultural or other remote reasons, then there is going to be always be a demand for them to move there. Uh, uh, so you know, like if you ask like 
So this this goes like if you look at the subline of Adam Smith's books, Wealth of Nations, inquiry into you know disparing rates and stuff like that of, of wealth. You have to sort of ask yourself why are certain countries objectively, if there is a sense objectively, nicer to live in than other places here, and that's a question which, well, you know, that's a question which has to be uh, answered here. And I do think the right and left libertarians have so to be differing frameworks here of how they would answer that question here. But even so, I think there could be some amount of synthesis here. I think Keith Preston joked uh, once is, uh, you know, if you had a choice between. Uh, or if it was if it's anarcho tyranny or police state, you know many patriot types might end up taking anarcho tyranny because at least under anarcho tyranny you can defend. Well, it wouldn't be quite anarcho tyranny, but be more like a failed state, a failed state or a police state. A failed state actually might be better off because uh, at least you can defend yourself. At least is at least the state is a particularly organized uh, form of gang here. So there are ways in which I think the left libertarians can make me more hostile toward, or the right libertarians in general, hostile to Border Patrol. But they didn't do them in 2016. They, for the most part, took the, uh, uh, you know, political correct uh, line here with respect to that here, for better or for worse here. Uh, so, so, so that would be my point there, here, here. So as, so as libertarian public intellectuals here, not that we're like big, big time name ones here, you know, the advocation of violence towards the state here in this in this in this area, because whatever you can make fun of Joe Biden and John McCain, Nancy Pelosi, or for that matter Bush, Trump, whatever, they're not really have any trouble with using state agencies against their enemies. State agency violence is against their enemies here, and you know I think in one of our previous episodes, I say we're not really in a position to take power anyway. So what should be the view here? Um, um, you know, and we can take we can take stances here. We don't yet have this sort of container ship, you know, like uh, like, you know, scenario where thousands of millions of people are showing up. Um, we don't have that scenario here, uh, which some people fear. There is a, there is a sense in which, and I think, you can have the kind of the Japanese policy on immigration here. But one of the problems is is that like, is um. There is a sort of economic cost here, and if you have an aging population, um, which many places in the world do, especially the quote unquote developed world, the quote unquote uh, the areas which the right libertarians generally like, um, there is just a hard problem if you have low fertility rates, not to accept if there people want to move there and do work here. Now, whether they take subsidies or in a Sayers sense, you had an interview at some some guy that, uh, about and he talked about Sayers Law, I think, or something like that. Um, there is there is that problem, and that problem is cultural here too. So you know you sort of have to like, just not is not going to be fixed by certain problems. Probably aren't going to be fixed by the Department Border Patrol. Even if even if you think it's a, even if you think it's a NAP libertarian compliant or morally compliant institution, even if you think that is, it might not be fixed by it to begin with here. So what do you make about those comments here, Swithin? Here, uh, do you think these problems are certain problems are cultural? And what do you make about like the the demand, we'll say the demand for existing countries to have immigrants because they just have aging populations here. That is a problem here. But that that I don't think that's going to be fixed by the state. Uh, uh, like, I mean, in a sense, you can bugaboo the corporations and I, I, I or or you can bugaboo the people who, because you can imagine if, if you take the Hoppian framework seriously, there still would be a certain amount because, well, there's a demand for it. What do you make of that, Swithin? 
I would say, firstly, uh, with respect to uh, the... Uh, let's go with the aging population thing first. I mean, yes, there are, some, there are fewer working-age members of the population relative to the adult, uh, so to the retirees. I, I think that's 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 that is the case, and you could see why if you wanted to maintain the um, the age the aged population retirees at a certain level uh, level that they've become accustomed to uh, living wise, uh, the immigrants might make some sense. However, uh, my answer to this question is everywhere and always just abolish the child labour laws. A lot of the time, the argument is we need immigrants to do jobs that, that the native population won't do. It's like well, just get the kids to do it. Um, because they would be perfectly happy to work for relatively low uh, incomes because they'll still live at home, and so they don't need a huge one, and they'll also probably learn significantly more useful things there than they would do at school. And interestingly, child labour is something Jeffrey Tucker is also very good on. Um, he has written about that on the at the Mises Institute. Um, so when it comes to, oh, no, there are not enough people of working age to support the elderly population, it's like, will increase the amount of people of working age by lowering the age at which you can work. I mean, that just seems blatantly obvious. Um, it seems to me in many cases that uh, immigration is the goal and, we just, and, and the government just needs a pretext to encourage it uh, rather than it genuinely being a solution to a problem. Um, although I generally think that's the case of... In, in, I generally think that's normally the case with government policies. When it comes to um, always being want immigration because there's always going to be demand to live in countries that are run better than others, um, it's interesting. Someone uh, came across recently was basically saying, oh, all these sort of Africans who are like, oh, yeah, we want African independence. African this is great. Yeah, but we're again going to emigrate to Britain. It's like, oh, so British rule in like Nigeria was bad, but British rule in Britain is good. Let's go to live in Britain. It's like, well, maybe... Maybe if you took that position consistently, you might have thought that maybe Britain staying in Nigeria would have been a good thing. I'm pretty sure Britain had Nigeria. I could be wrong with that. Um, but obviously, you have parts of Africa. Uh, South Africa's uh, Rhodesia being, well, Rhodesia was kind of independent. Um, so even if you do get rid of um, the foreign wars, etc., there's always going to be demand to live in better places. I think that's, that's certainly going to be true. And especially when there are um, especially when there are uh, the technologies to achieve it now, which historically there weren't, uh, with, particularly with planes. Um, so some form of, but then the question is, you know, if you let everybody who wants to come in, are you going to undermine the conditions which made the place a desirable place to live to begin with? To which the answer is probably. Um, so then the question is arising, you know, how does the free society keep itself free? And, that probably means some form of uh, restrictions. Now, whether those restrictions can be done purely contractually, maybe something like, "Well, I will sell you this 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 um, house, this sort of residential property, on the condition that you don't sell it to somebody else who is non-approved by a certain sort of community body or something like that." Or whether it's a case of the the uh, the ruling elite in the society go, well, actually, people can only come and live and work here if they um, conform to this, this, and this. 
um, uh, condition, um, sort of attributes or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's always going to be the case. You're going to have people want to live into these other places. Now that said as well with immigration, I mean, if you've got a world of like in, even increasing levels of, um, mobility, maybe flying cars or even faster planes and stuff. I mean, that may make things more interesting because it would allow people to work, um, much further away from where they live. Now, how far is another question? Um, because historically, uh, people are tied to a particular area because they live and work there. But insofar as you can work further from where you live, you kind of live this sort of weird hybrid existence whereby you live in one area for working and another area for not working. That said, of course, uh, with the event, with the internet and stuff, the extent to which people are going to homework more is another question. Uh, so maybe that will go the other way. The reason I raise that is uh, when you come to what is the area in which you're sort of living in, as it were, with better transport seems to become larger. Uh, and so you could argue that people kind of emigrate from one place to the other, which is actually uh, an aside is interesting. Although this is normally with second homes. It's the left in England, for instance, complain about rich people from London going to live or get second homes in Cornwall and other places like that, because, you know, they're destroying the heritage and the uh, the feel of the community in Cornwall. And the left are always very, very opposed to that. But when it's displacing communities in northern England, if they come from the Indian subcontinent or other places, well, then that's absolutely fine. Um, so as, as ever, uh, double standards from the left uh, there. But... Um, the role of technology in immigration is, sort of, I think, to some extent, underappreciated. Um, and, but yeah, the age of population, uh, I don't think, I, I do think Japan, have, have, to a large extent, got it right. Although, as I say, you know, release the kids, but they, as I say, they don't have that many of them. I mean, Japan is a particularly bad situation in comparison to uh, the UK. But I mean, the, the birth rate thing as a whole. Uh, wider scope, uh, largely, um, well, largely due to abortion, actually. You'd have replacement rate facility without it, but, and also feminism and other things. How do you think uh, left and right libertarians in the future should uh, avoid these squabbles? Let's say if, um, uh, you know, in 10 years, if Senator's Paribus things go, like if there's another restrictionist scan that comes along, how would you outline a way for if, if libertarian movement still exists, whatever power it is, I mean, there's some like, like overall, I don't, I, I think, I think it's problematic if you're going to say Jeffrey Tucker is just an a priori enemy. He's just a bad intent. And I think even, even Reason Magazine, maybe there's certain elements of them that are in the hostile ruling class. Uh, I, I, I'm willing to, to uh, fully admit that there. Um, but how would you say, how would you outline, like, like to me, the Ron, one of the interesting things about Ron Paul, I think Ron Paul was a unifying figure because he could speak to sort of both uh, both tribes of the sort of movement in a way that I don't think anyone else could. Definitely not Joe Jorgensen. Um, <laughs> and like, or, or, or I mean, I know England, this is what's England here, in the, which is someone said just the reality here, but like the, the, the libertarian movement in the United States here. But um, um, like, how would they, you know, I, I would say have a more of a conspiratorial, you know, I think Hillary Clinton has explained, you have to talk to different, she talks to different groups with different spiels here, but, but is that just obviously backhanded here to, to have that viewpoint? Because I do think there is more agreement 
between Jeffrey Tucker and Hans Hoppe than there is with the average person here. Uh, uh, and I think I think that could get overshadowed here. I mean, Tucker was, they probably, I don't think neither of them particularly handled either well. Again, uh, Tucker is annoying. I, I do agree on that. But then on COVID, he was actually quite good. In some sense, he would probably even early on was actually even better than um, Hoppe uh, in certain ways, um, in that way. I just I just don't see here. Again, this is not necessarily a, a bean-counting scoring exam here, but how would the libertarians in general in the future avoid these squabbles over immigration? Or is this just an indetractable conflict that sort of haunts the movement or haunts all society writ large here? Because the Marxists have it too. That's I always, It's always interesting to look at other dissident movements. The Marxists have it too. They sort of pushed Bernie Sanders out if you look at the labor history historically of labor movements, most labor movements on the ground were actually quite hostile toward immigration here. Uh, you know, I was, you know, that's, Moldberg brings up in his debate with Ben Ben Burgess about how, like, the Knights of Laborers, you know, got the Anti-Chinese Exclusion Act enacted here and various, you know, anti-violence uh, uh, there. So, 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 what, or do you think this is just an indistractable problem that sort of befets, it's just, it's just another element of the sort of broader dispute in libertarian politics that are just occur in broader societies. Swithin? I think in general, um, what uh, dissident groups need to do is just to ally on particular issues and try not to... Uh, I, I don't think you really want to try and keep a broad tent. Uh, I, I'm very much not a fan of a, a broad tent uh, movement. As such, that doesn't mean that, but with the caveat that I'm more than willing to work on anybody on an individual issue if they happen to agree with you on it. Um, when it comes to, um, say, immigration with left and right libertarians, I think what you have to realize, I think, is this, which is um, people who have the same sort of overall goals are going to find it easier to come agreements to come to agreement with each other even if they and work with each other, even if they have diametrically opposed means of achieving it. Whereas if you have different goals, uh, but you somehow have the same mean, you think that the same means will achieve different goals, um, that you're not going to get. So you could say that left and right militarians, they have the same means in let's say the abolition of the state, but they both think you'll do completely different things. Uh, they're much more likely to have disputes because their view of what is the good and what is a, a functioning and how society ought to operate is actually fundamentally different. Uh, the difference with, say, the authoritarian left and the libertarian left is just how to achieve it. Uh, and you could say similarly in certain respects, although that there will be differences with the uh, the right libertarians and the, and the conservatives, really. I mean, there are some conservatives very annoying who aren't really conservatives. But if you think about the, the proper conservatives, like, um, I mean, I was going to say Peter Hitchens. Peter Hitchens sounds like he's a guy who might be somewhat annoying. But in general, I feel like I would get on much better with Peter Hitchens than I would with Jeffrey Tucker. Um, if, and so I, I if, because the vision of society that we would have, I think, is more some other, maybe, maybe with Hitchens it might be quite divergent in certain respects. But the, if you share the same ultimate goals, even if you have significantly different means to achieving them, I think it is easier to cultivate a um, an alliance. But I would say overall, though, 
uh, when it comes to strategy in general, um, you're going to need what motivates people, I think, to a large extent is a thicker view of uh, politics rather than a very thin sort of plumb line blocking libertarian. That's not going to motivate anybody. Well, it will motivate Walter Block, but I don't know motivate many people. Uh, and so actually keeping the distinctives and keeping like the entire package there is probably something that's going to be more um, uh, more attractive to enough people. And if those people then become organized, then they can take power um, in certain ways. Um, and so uh, I don't think that sort of trying to limit things and trying to uh, gloss over differences is actually strategically probably a good idea. That said, of course, I said, if you have singular issues, like, for instance, uh, the Rage Against the War Machine um, event, where you have this sort of like culturally leftist sort of anti-war party on with the libertarians and some, I don't know if there's any conservative groups. I mean, perfect, yeah, do that. But um, don't try and keep it within a particular organized and defined group. And I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Subscribe to us on Podbean on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings, and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcryingthebitshow at gmail.com. That's mindcryingthebitshow at gmail.com. <laughs>